the Charlton Daily. A Scotland Euro 2020 podcast by Hockey the Hack. A very warm welcome to episode six of the Tartan Daily. And I think it's safe to say I'm feeling a bit more like a Scotland fan again today after we lost 2-0 in our opening game to the Czech Republic. And here to pick up the pieces a wee bit and to look over the bones of that with me is Stefan Carlin of the De Stefano Talks podcast. Stefan, how are you doing today, mate? I'm, I'm not too bad, Stuart, thanks. Um, I'm probably, I've woken up a little bit, you know, compared to yesterday, I woke up with a bit, well I didn't wake up because I didn't sleep, but I got up with a sort of bud yesterday, today was a little bit different, I woke up feeling, oh my god, so flat, so sort of deflated, but not not fully out of any hope just yet. Well, it's good. it's good that you're keeping a bit of hope, mate. I was up, as you can probably tell, with the massive bags under my eyes. I was up early doors because I'm committed to the bit. I am in London. You'll notice the surroundings are a bit different. This is the inside of the Ritz Hotel. No, it's a travel lodge, as you would expect. Um, to anyone who's watching this stream, I see Nick's already said hi. Anyone else that is watching this, please make yourself known to me and feel free to fire any questions over to us. Um, what we'll start off is just be looking over the game in a kind of general sense and then what I've decided I'm going to do today uh, and I'm springing this on you Stefan is um, player ratings I think we should go through the team and rate the players and see what we thought in terms of how they did because I think and then obviously we can turn that into looking forward to maybe the changes that should be made ahead of Friday if you think it should be made also anyone who is watching um the chat Nick says he's looking forward to Friday I think everyone is maybe a wee bit less or maybe even more in the sense that now there's absolutely nothing to lose if we'd got three points you could have made the argument couldn't you that I you know what like let's just go in and try and get a point off England and that would be the worst thing you could possibly do whereas we can go into this and this is a free hit now isn't it I, I I don't know if I want to call the the England game a, a sort of a, a free hit. Um, <laughs> I, I was I was speaking yesterday and watching the England Croatia game. I thought that's a very cagey tight sort of affair. Neither team looked like they've been that great. To be honest, I thought the game was quite flat. It was dull. It was boring. Something I like to associate with England and the national team and how they play football. That's totally from a Scottish perspective. Um, but I genuinely don't think that they, they offered much. And uh, the thing about Scotland is, Stuart, when you see Scotland play, when all the expectation is upon us, as you see from yesterday, we, we falter. However, no one, and I mean no one, is expecting Scotland to go to Wembley and do anything. So in that respect, yeah, it's, it's a free hit. However... When Scotland don't have the expectation on them, they do something. And I'm just hoping that that kind of works again because I, I, I think I think we need, I think a draw at best is what we need, but a, a loss is, is sort of, yeah, you're talking, it's game over at that point, maybe. Yeah, I think it's one of those, the way that I look at it. I mean, if, if, you, get, if you get a draw, then, I mean, there's, there's hope against Croatia, but I think we've got more of a chance of beating England, not because I think, I mean, they've obviously just gone and, and, and won their game against Croatia, 
but I think Scotland will be. I think we stand more of a chance in a game that we will be absolutely one hundred percent up for. Everyone in that Scotland team, regardless of a circumstance, if it's Billy Gilmer, he'll be looking to show. Um, if he was to play, he'd be looking to show, you know what, I can mix it with the best Premier League stars and the best England stars. If you play someone like, if Stephen O'Donnell does play again, it'll be like, well, you know what, I play for Motherwell, but I can play up against Raheem Sterling. Um, we'll, we'll come to that in a bit more detail because that's <laughs> what I want to happen. Um, David Marshall will be looking to prove himself after obviously being questioned for the positioning on that goal. Although my argument is Jack Hendry, made the, the bigger of the errors by having, I, I mean, I thought that was a ludicrous decision to shoot and it was very, very naive. And a defender that I've kind of gone into the tournament, he was he was one of the players I was really worried about. I think he's, um, I think he's made a decision there that's, that, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's absolutely magical from Patrick Schick, but that decision cost the goal as much as David Marshall. David Marshall's maybe up five yards too many, but he nearly got back, um, which at his age, fair play to him, it was a decent sprint, but he's got to play quite high because of the way that Scotland were playing, they were really squeezing the game, so there was an obligation on David Marshall to try and do that, but Jack Henry to shoot, I mean, there's an easy ball down the side, you know, you're not going to, I mean, how many of those shots are going to go in? So that that's, I, I thought that was the worst of those two errors, which would you, who would you cast the blame at more for that second goal? I've seen the argument on Twitter about Jack Hendry, and I have to say, I mean, you've explained it quite well there, but for me, it's David Marshall. Um, I, I I think, and I can take your points on board, but for me, he should have been nowhere near the the, the area that he was. Um, to, to be that far up, I, I don't know if it's justifiable. I, I, I take the point on board about Hendry firing the shot. I, I think that was naive. I think that was stupidity. He, he had better options around him. But but for me, David Marshall, he's experienced. I think he has to, to do better. There. He knows that something could go wrong and someone could aim for, for long. And unfortunately, Patrick Sheik did. But I... I, I for me, that the, the blame lies so solely with with him in that that respect. A keeper of his experience really shouldn't be getting caught out in the the manner in which he did. Mm. To, I'm being honest. Aye, it's disappointing, and I think the the big thing is the sense of deflation, and you can't really blame the team in the sense of you know that they they, they didn't have a goal because although people are criticising the conservative nature of the the team selection. I felt Scotland came out and had a right good go at it early on and properly started the, the way that you would be wanting a Scotland team to start in a, a fixture of that ilk. But the problem was we didn't take our chances when they presented themselves. Second phase from a set piece, the defending wasn't good enough. Again, it was O'Donnell and Robertson had swapped at that point. So it was O'Donnell who was closing down the crosser, just didn't get out quick enough. Mm. And... Yeah, I think that I was always worried about set pieces going into the game, but second phase, you should be able to reorganise a bit and you should be able to deal with, with, with that as well as the first one. And that, that didn't happen. And then there was the mistake for the second goal, uh, which we've, we've just been discussing. But I think the, 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 big, the big sense for me is, I mean, I was like, I can't even remember being that emotional 
after a game of football for a while. Like, I was proper hurting yesterday, you know? Um, and that's as a Norwich fan watching us get pasted every week after Project Restart. But this, this is on a different level of football the way it, it gets at you, isn't it, Stefan? It, it sort of it did get at me at the point, you know, when, when Sheik scored that goal, I sort of sensed it was game over and the chances weren't coming off. We were getting them, but we weren't getting the sort of rub of the green that you need. I was like, this is just a bad day at the office for Scotland. And I, I was, I was feeling rubbish. I was feeling gutted, sort of deflated. The, the tyranny news in, in general, when I heard that, that, that yeah. deflated me something awful. But... Um, it's part and parcel of, of being a football fan. It's, it's certainly part and parcel of being a Scotland fan. Um, you know, we've felt like this before, and it, no doubt we will feel like this again. But it's just about how not only us as fans, but players pick themselves up from it and how they can, we can sort of respond to it together. Because we could respond to it by being negative and, and looking at all where everything's went wrong, or we could respond positively and, and look at where things can possibly go and where we can get better. That's the, the avenue I'm, I'm looking to go down. I, I feel like football fans and, and maybe media and journalists and we, we can all be a little bit too negative at times. I, th I think we, we sort of have to, to be positive, even when it's as the, the world's pretty dry on positivity. I think that that's a, a, an important point, to be fair. My kind of view on yesterday is a different, a different game, and we are probably at least taking a draw there. Mm. But there are work in both boxes, which let us down. We were poor defensively uh, for the first goal, I would say, and the, obviously it was like a collective sort of um, sense of, I mean, whether it's Henry or Marshall or both, well, that is pretty much both um, for the second goal, uh, and obviously caught with that one, as good as the finish was. But up front as well, I mean, Lyndon Dykes has got to be scoring that chance that he gets. Andy Robertson should really score that chance that he gets. And by the way, one thing I will say is well, we're going to go through the ratings, but to give you a, a clue as, as to what I think ratings-wise, Andy Robertson was absolutely brilliant yesterday. I felt that he kind of accepted that if Kieran Tierney's not playing, he's going to have to do more. And he stood up and he looked every inch a Scotland captain yesterday. He was absolutely brilliant. And for me, if Scotland had got a positive result, he would have been a 100% the man of the match. And Patrick Schick obviously takes it, given the way that it turned out. But yeah. other than him, Andy Robertson was probably the best player in the field. He was brilliant. I think, I think for me, um, it's one. It's the first performance I've seen from Andy Robertson that signifies to me, OK, this man deserves to be captain. Because I think for there's been a long period of time where I've seen Andy Robertson play for Scotland and think... I'm not being funny here, but you are average. You look absolutely bang average in the squad. I know when he's at Liverpool, he's alongside Van Dijk um, and players of that ilk, and he looks really good. But when he was having his chance for Scotland, he, he didn't impress me um, as much as he does when he, he plays at Liverpool. And I think that just comes from playing with a better sort of calibre of player alongside you. You go from playing with uh, Virgil van Dijk week in, week out to playing with someone like Scott McKenna or, um, you know, Grant Hanley, etc. No disrespect to either players, but obviously not on the level of Van Dijk. You Grant Hanley be me, mate, because obviously being a Norwich fan, I will defend him stoutly. <laughs> um, 
But, you know, yesterday uh, he put in an assured performance. He was good defensively. I, I thought he was great, uh, you know, the attack-wise. Normally you expect that from Kieran Tierney, but he wasn't there. Andy Robertson stepped up to the plate and gave a gave a captain's performance. Um, so I, I, one of the – it's probably his most important performance for me. It's just can he now kick on? Can he be that influential um, on Friday night down in Wembley? Because – that is what you need from from your captain. And um, if you can do that, then I, I think we can be on a, a good footing. Yeah, just talking about Friday night, um, Tony Lister says, speaking as an England fan, and even though being favourites for Friday, I'm certainly not overly confident, and I think a draw is looking the best bet. I mean, we'll, we'll look forward to Friday uh, towards the end of the pod, but it's good to hear that there's a few England fans sort of worried I can't say that I think the majority will be. I think they'll look at the way that they played against Croatia, which I thought was a really, really assured performance. And I, I thought they, they did it with, with minimal fuss. I thought mm. Gareth Southgate's team selection, which was a lot more controversial than Steve Clark's, was vindicated. Mm. And I think fantastic international boss, I've got to say, Gareth Southgate. He's got a kind of worryingly... Joachim Luff sort of vibe going on in terms of the way that he looks at everything from a kind of holistic standpoint, similar yep. to the Yogi Luff did with Germany, you know, and I think that's that's a concern because obviously the one thing that would be worse than Scotland finishing with no points and no goals is England then going on to win it. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, I take the, the point on board about uh, Joachim Luff. Um, uh, from from Gareth Southgate, I, I get the same sort of feeling that you do. Um, I look at Gareth Southgate and think he he's very meticulous about the way he goes about and he plans things. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't care about what the media think. Um, that that's what I yeah. the the vibe I get from him. He doesn't care. He sees his players um, train when they're at the England camp day in day out. He, he'll know. Um, he'll go and watch players. He'll know what his best team is, and uh, uh, on Sunday he he picked a, a team that, that was controversial. He left out players uh, like Jack Grealish um, that that many expected to start. But for me, for Friday, uh, I'm just kind of hoping that he has a a sort of um, brain moment where nothing goes to plan for him, um, and and sort of hope that that Scotland can. Can can get the better of that, but um, and that's that's them hope. I more than hope than expectation. Right, yeah. and that what I was uh, seeing in, in terms of the way that I want to go about this. By the way, anyone that is watching this, please let us know in the comments of, of whatever stream you're watching what changes you would make for Friday and what you think Scotland should do differently going into the game because definitely going going about it the same way. Uh, I don't think many people would be happy with that. And it's going to be a really interesting moment for Steve Clark, Stefan, to to see, because this is the first time he's come in that I can remember for proper criticism in, in terms of, and, and it was the big moment, you know. Um, and, and his team selection got criticised. But as we say, it's pretty much fine margins. I don't think we were terrible. And he played the team maybe barring the Armstrong slash Christie slash Adams kind of bit. Um, I mean, she Adams, I think some people would have expected to start. Other than that, it was pretty much as I expected. And he was proactive in terms of making the Christie swap at half time. But mm. I think 
lot of people's anger is coming as with the, with the Stephen O'Donnell selection. I think a lot of people are seeing a kind of favouritism there because obviously he was he was one of his players at Kilmarnock um, for Steve Clark. So I, I can understand that, but I can also understand not playing a right winger as a right mm. wing back, and I can also understand not playing a lad who's had less than six months regular football with Nathan Patterson in front mm. of a player who's like a seasoned professional, you know, and has played most of the qualifying campaign. So I get I get the argument for Steve Clark's rationale, but when it comes to it, it's to do a level of ability, isn't it? And the, the one moment that summed up Stephen O'Donnell yesterday for me was when he runs into the space as Christie's jinked past two men to get yes. into the box. He's blocking his space off by making another lap when the clear run is either, as, as James McFadden pointed out in the commentary, to hold your run or to go in the overlap on the outside. I, yeah. I, I think that was uh, probably Stephen O'Donnell's best piece of defensive work yesterday. If, if <laughs> um, Good point. No, listen, um, Steve Clark, uh, he, I, you know, you, you're on Twitter, I'm on Twitter. Listen, Twitter's a negative place at the best of times. I've seen Steve Clark get criticised for how he set up in Serbia. Um, so, you know, the, he's always going to get a level of criticism from, from you know, any, any sort of... Um, area um, or, or social media point of view but listen he, he was I think he was caught short with Tierney picking up a, a calf injury I believe um, I, he would have known about that before the game obviously um, he would add his team sheet but I think that that served as a, a blow to him because he thought right well how do I, I change it now what do I do now um, so that's impacted on how the, the team's uh, set up it's impacted on his choice of 11 um, for me he, he got a couple of choices wrong um, and at the time O'Donnell was not one of them because I, I like Stephen O'Donnell I think Stephen O'Donnell's quite an assured player um, he did well at Kelly, he's doing well at, at Motherwell uh, for me I'm, I, I was happy for him to be included in the Scotland team because it, uh, when the announcement of the, the full squad came out I said yeah I think Stephen O'Donnell is Scotland's best right back and Many people were saying that, that Nathan Patterson should be in ahead of him. I, I wasn't having it um, because obviously Patterson had played, I think, seven or eight games um, for Rangers. I don't think that was enough time. However, I, I think as the game progressed yesterday, I was starting to see maybe Nathan Patterson could could be a, a, a better alternative because I, I think Stephen O'Donnell played the occasion rather than the game and anyone will tell you you'd never play the occasion um but i, I don't want to criticize him too much uh steve clark because he he had a an almighty task on his hand um it, you know i didn't sleep the night before the game or i struggled to i, I doubt he had any sleep with the choices he had to make but um he, he got a couple of decisions wrong i i think the armstrong christie she Adams one was definitely one he got wrong. If it's me, I'm playing two up top and I'm playing Dykes and uh, Adams. Um, I, I think also the choice... So what, what would your midfield three have been? Uh, it would have been McGinn, McTominay and McGregor. Um, and people will say, well, why Callum McGregor? Callum McGregor was ranked this season at Celtic. I don't take that away, but I, I think Callum McGregor is an exceptional footballer. I think he reads the game differently to other people. And I, I can see why people shouted for Billy Gilmore to be in there. Someone that, that's at Chelsea, plays in one of the best leagues in the world. Uh, he's, he's just won the Champions League. But for me, Callum McGregor uh, is more experienced. And I, I think he always puts in a, a shift for Scotland. So that, that would have been my midfield three of McGinn, McGregor and McTominay, the three mix. 
Mm. I, I think I can see the thinking, though. I, I like the idea of an Armstrong in there as, as a good ball carrier. And actually, mm. Stuart Armstrong, of those three, was maybe over the piece. The, the, well, Hammer McGinn definitely did more than McTominay. McTominay, for a Man United player, was very, very disappointing yesterday. It was the kind of game... Now, don't get me wrong, there was a lot of punting the ball over his head, right? Because that, that was another thing that Northern Kieran Tierney and the team did. Yeah. He didn't have that ability to carry the ball out of defence. That's not Liam Cooper's game. So what he was doing is he was just going with a long diagonal time and time again. So it was going over the midfielders' heads. But if Scott McTominay is a player playing at Man United, then I used to watch Scotland when, and I mean, they're different types of player, but when Darren Fletcher was in there, you could see that he was a Man United player and amongst players who weren't quite as good. Mm. Scott McTominay yesterday did not show that level of assurance or authority. He should have imposed his style on the game, his way which mm. is probably a bit more combative and a bit more forceful than a, a Darren Fletcher. But that's exactly what Scotland could have done with yesterday in that midfield. And that's where I was really disappointed with him. Just quickly before you come in, mate, I'll just pick up on what Patrick Innes is saying yeah. there. He says, Forrest at wing-back would have been better. Patterson isn't ready for this level. Anyone else who's got any opinions on the team selection yesterday, get them into us. But um, right. Mike, what are you going to say, mate? Um, I'll, I'll touch on what the, the comment said in a second. But see, from McTominay, I think he's a, I, I often refer to him as a Rolls-Royce Rolls of a footballer. I think he is that good. Um, but I do take your point on board. I don't think he imposed himself on the game um, in the manner that many expected. But I, I think that maybe comes from... I think we were playing a different um, formation. I think normally we go for the the three five two um, in attack and the five three two in defence. I, I think it was a new sort of way that he, for in terms of Scotland that he's played in before a new system, um, and maybe and I'm not trying to justify it, but maybe it caught him a little bit off guard. Um, saying that a player of his quality shouldn't be getting caught off guard, but I, th I think that's maybe one of the, the reasons is that it was a different style that, that they were looking to, to play from a formational point. Um, I think Scott McTominay has been it, it's one of the best things that Alex McLeish has ever done um, for, for Scotland. Um, obviously, winning the Nations League was, was also another, but bringing Scott McTominay into the, the fold and making him a Scotland player uh, is one of the best decisions that, that has came out of Scotland in a, a long time because he is a fantastic footballer and he will play, he already plays at the very top, but he will only get better um, as the years go on. And thank God he's a he's a part of the Scotland team. Um, well, I, yesterday he should have done more. Like That's the kind of game that a player, if he's going to play at that standard for the rest of his career, has to show. I mean, because what, what that kind of Scott McTominay we saw yesterday is a Scott McTominay that's playing with Burnley when he's 28. You mm. know, that, that's what we're seeing there. And if Scott McTominay is going to continue to operate at a standard that is befitting of Manchester United, then mm. he's got to play better in bigger games. I mean, the, the one big game where he hit the headlines was when Man United won in the Parc de France and he was magnificent that night. I've not seen him replicate that performance yet, either for Man United or for Scotland. So, and last night was exactly the type of game that required, or sorry, yesterday, I keep thinking it is last night. <laughs> it stretched on. By the way, that was the longest half of football, that first half, that I've ever watched in my life, I think. So I'm just sitting watching it and I'm thinking, this is taking forever. And normally it goes by quickly. And then obviously in the second half, after you've fallen behind, it does go by quicker, you know? Yeah. Like that first half just seemed like it took forever to me. I, like, I, 
I'm I'm pure on the opposite spectrum. I think that, that's interesting. Flew in in the second half, flew in as well. Um, I, I can't I can't really explain it because my day went on really long. I think it went <laughs> up like quarter past two. Um, so my day lasted really long. But in the ter- in the sort of aspect of it, is the game flew in for me. Um, but no, listen, I think you're putting on board about McTominay. I think he does have to do better. Um, a hundred percent. But I, I think that will come. Um. And I hope it starts on a Friday night in uh, in London in Wembley. Um, or one can can certainly hope anyway. Um, well, that's why I came down here, mate, and more in hope um, than expectation again. But mm. do you know what? Um, if anybody wants to get some positivity in on the on the chat, then please feel free to do so because it's a wee bit thin in the ground with me. And just to get just to get into. To things in, in a bit more detail and then we, we, we can talk about the, the, the changes that we would make uh, mm. on Friday and anyone else that's got any suggestions for changes they would like to make, please keep them coming in. But um, are you quite happy to come through and do some player ratings with me, mate? Because like, I didn't actually ask if you wanted to do that before the before the yeah, pod. Happy no, to. More than happy to. Um, can I just quickly touch on that comment we got about right wing back? Because obviously I yes, indeed. Patrick Ennis. Um, um, just, just for people who listen to the audio pod back, what he said was Forrest at wing back would have been better. Patterson isn't ready for this level. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I alluded to it earlier that I thought Nathan Patterson could maybe offer something different to Stephen O'Donnell. Um, however, with that being said, James Forrest coming on, he did more in four minutes than uh, O'Donnell has done uh, in two years um, of being in the national team. I thought James Forrest, uh, you know, I hate saying the phrase changed the game because ultimately he never changed the game, but he came on and he offered something different for Scotland. He impacted it. That would be a, maybe a good workaround. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 his performance when he came in, he, he impacted the game and it gave Scotland a bit of a lift, um, which was good mm-hmm. to see. And it's one that I, I sort of hope he has included in the team on Friday night. People are screaming at the top of their voices to have Nathan Patterson in the team on Friday. Whether While I can see that, I want to try James Forrest against Raheem Sterling on Friday night because James Forrest is a fast pacey player and attack. Defensively, need to see it, but I think he's, he's a player that could keep with Raheem Sterling, who's arguably one of the fastest footballers in the, the planet. I think it'd be a great contest um, and, and one I hope that James Forrest can 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 win. I think Nathan Patterson coming up against Raheem Sterling, you're maybe looking at a baptism. Really early, isn't it? It's, it would be an absolute baptism of fire um, for him to come in. To He's played in Europe with Rangers. He's played um, a handful of games with Rangers due to Tavernier being injured. I think putting him up against Raheem Sterling on Friday night is too soon, and I think that is one thing he does not deserve to, to have happened to him is for Raheem Sterling to give him a torrid night and absolutely rinse him. That is no. Well, you don't. You don't need to destroy a kid. But the one thing I will say, just to kind of counter that, is I, I think two of the best individual performances I could remember from Scots and Europe in a defensive standpoint were John Kennedy and David Marshall in the new camp against Barcelona all those mm. years ago and. They had very, very little first team exposure at that point either. So, in yeah. that sort of thing, is there maybe something to be said for throwing someone in who's not going to show any fear because they've just got that sort of blessed with the the naivety of youth, if you like, and 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 can just go in sort of maybe not 
overawed by the occasion, but just play it for what it is? I, th I think it depends. Um, I, I, I don't doubt Nathan Patterson, Patterson could go in and, and, and play play the game, but down at Wembley with you know 20, over 20,000 people uh, in attendance, it'll arguably be the biggest crowd he'll have played in front of. Um, I, I don't know if it would be fair on him. Um, that that would be how I would look at it. I don't I don't think it would be fair on him. He's what eighteen nineteen. I think I just think it's too soon. Um, and if you've got an uh, an alternative in Forest, uh, I say we use the experience there. Um, the youth is great, but I, I think in terms of that, I think you have to go for experience. Does Forest have the defensive now? We need though. Well, that's. I don't even want to say it's up for debate because you know, it's one of my gripes with him at Celtic is maybe he doesn't come back enough. Um, that's a good question. Um, I can let you ponder that and we can go into the ratings if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do that. Right. David Marshall. I would still give... Mm, no, I can't, I can't show any sort of... I mean, he got us here. So, cheers, mate. Um, but, I, I mean, based on that second goal, it's got to be a 6 out of 10. Uh, I, I think he made a couple of good saves, though, as well. And saves you would expect him to make, but he, he saved it the right way in the sense of he also took a couple of high balls really well when we needed pressure taken off. Uh, but when I say saved it the right way, I mean not like palming it back into danger, you know, either palming it wide or, or holding it. So I think it was a solid performance for David Marshall, but based on the mistake for the second goal, which, by the way, I should mitigate by saying Andy Robertson in his post-match interview says said sorry that Marshy needs to be there. Now, I don't know if, having watched it back, he would still say that. Maybe he would. But I could understand where he was coming from in that when we were playing a really high line, you can't just leave acres of space for Patrick Schick or either of the wingers uh, to run into, you know, yanked or massive post. So, look, I, th I understand that, but you also can't come that far out your goal that Patrick Schick sees you as a sitting duck, which he also suggested in his post-match interview is that he'd been looking to do that a few times during the game. So, aye, I'm giving him a 6 out of 10. What about you? Um, based on the, I, I think he made a couple of decent saves uh, during the game, uh, which I was pleased about. He made a, a good couple early on. He made one in the early stages of the second half. It was very good. It was looking good. I thought he was unlucky. Um, he, he had sort of no luck in the terms of how Schick scored the first goal. It was a great header. It was a power header. Marshall couldn't do anything. He couldn't. He, he couldn't stop that. It was too good a header. Um, uh, and that the defenders because I, I, I yes. thought he did really well to get in between them. To be fair. Yeah, I, I blame the defenders. I don't think they were strong enough there, um, and they allowed him to, to get his head on that with the, the authority that he did. Marshall was unlucky for it. I can't blame him for the goal. The the blame lies with the defence. The second goal, um, as I said earlier on, he, he gets a full blame for me. Uh, far too far off his line. Uh, it's a, it's a, a mistake a, a keeper of his experience shouldn't be making. Andy Robertson's right in what he said. He, he has to but I assume Andy Robertson when he said he has to be there. I assume he means on the line, or I, I hope he doesn't mean he has to I, be. I think I think he means he's got to at least plug in the gap, doing a bit of the sweeper keeper stuff. Right. I don't know if 
was right on the periphery of the centre circle, which was mm. pretty odd. If, if, if Andy Robertson meant Marsh should be there as in he should be in, uh, in his box or on the line, then I agree with that. If he meant that he should be there, I disagree with that. Um, I, I think Marshall has to, to be better for the second goal, uh, really better. So based on uh, his performance as a whole, I'm going to give him a 5 out of 10. Harsh taskmaster, mate. Um, right, let's move on. So I'm going to do it as a, a back five. We'll go right to left. So Stephen O'Donnell, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be. Oh, I mean, do I really go? Do I treat this? So I'll tell you the question, going on in my head, mate. As do I do this as if I was doing it for the paper, which I've done before, right? Where I'm doing player ratings. And I'm doing it, you know, in the same kind of ratio that the paper does it, where um, it's really hard to get. Like, basically, most ratings go six, seven, eight, you know. Yeah. Um, and five is seen as harsh. Four is incredibly harsh. Uh, and then nine is incredibly good, you know. Have, have you ever read Build, the, the German newspaper? Uh, fleetingly. If you, if you ever see their uh, player reviews, they do it for German football all the time. That's right. the route I'm going down today. Um, some so would... get, I'll tell you what, I'm happy to use the same scale, but I want to know what that does. Like, um, So how, how are they different facing if you read it in the record of the sun? I, I think Bild analyse the game in a way that, that others don't. I think they, they watch it from a completely different perspective. How players played, how they, they actually performed things he did good. I think they do it off of pros and cons. Um, so I, people would say two or three is, is incredibly harsh. Um, I, you look at it, you see, I think Bayern Munich, they, they played against Celtic. Um, uh, uh, they won 3-0 in the Allianz, and I think their, their highest score was maybe a six or something um, from memory. So uh, they're, they're not the easiest to please, but... There's a there's some players I'm going to be sort of following that that mandate on that they, they, I really wasn't pleased with yesterday. Um, right. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring a bit of that spirit in myself. Um. Just before I do so, it was a comment from a different view. Thanks for watching us, and um. Hopefully, we're offering um a, a view that's a wee bit different to you as well. Um. Really nice account name though. A different view on YouTube says. He got the team selection so wrong. No balance in midfield, not enough rotation or movement off the ball. So it was so easy for them, the Czech Republic, just to put all their players in the middle of the pitch and wait for crosses coming into the box. I, I think he makes a great point there. Um, I, I think the... Can you highlight his comments so that I can just go through? Yeah, sorry. I, no problem. It's all right. I, I think he, he's right yet. It is. Um, it was so easy for them just to put all their players in the middle of the pitch and sort of stop crosses coming through. But I, I think the he, he hits a nail on the head. Most importantly, with there was not enough rotation. Steve Clark made the the progressive change at half time and whipping Ryan Christie off, who'd been stinking for Celtic all season. Yeah, that that was a proactive change. So fair play to Steve Clark for that. Because he's been getting rating as well, by the way. Yeah. Um. I I, I rate that um that decision. To bring she Adams on. However, um, the time it took him to get from that sub to his next substitute was, yeah. um, was far too long. Not only that, it wasn't the right substitute. So um, that that that's what it comes from. He, he hits a nail on the head. There wasn't enough rotation, and when it was rotated, it took too long. Um, and when he did rotate the the players that came on, 
they weren't the players I was looking for to come on, but maybe that I'm just being a little bit too, too sort of uh, hasty on on that part. But no, fair play. Um, and I think I think by the way, I've just did a look. It's a Motherwell podcast by the look of it. So I've given a wee subscribe a different view. Um, hope you do. Hope you do so in return. Callum McGregor, wrong sub. Stefan is spot on with Forrest to start on Friday. So looks like you've got yourself a fan there. Mate. Um, by the way, if people want to find you, we'll do this at the end again, Stefan. But like, wh- where can people find your stuff uh, on the respective places? So I'm, I'm most active um, on Twitter at Mr. Stefan Carlin, but I do obviously have a, a Scottish football podcast where we're sort of uh, in um, the off season just now. We're starting back in August. The new fits just come out today. But um, if you haven't already subscribed or you want to subscribe, we are available on Apple uh, Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Spotify and Google Podcast. And uh, starting on August 2nd uh, from 4 p.m., we will be back for the full season recapping all the action in Scottish football every single Monday. And as I said, on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcast. Yeah, that was a nice wee, that, I felt good. I've not done that in a couple of weeks, but I've, I've told <laughs> you, I felt quite, uh, quite slick. That's fine. I've just pulled my ticket off the bottom, which uh, obviously is information of where you can you can find myself. Now, I should say, are you going to get me on this, this season? Because I'd quite like to come on if you're happy. Absolutely. Um... A hundred percent. I was going to say we won't be talking much Norwich, but um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, hundred percent. I dabble in Scottish football as well on occasion. Steve Dawes got a four. Uh, he's the, the problem. He was he was the big problem. It was like the, I mean, right. And I should say none of this is personal. And I wish he'd gone out and given a performance that went well beyond the realms of his ability. Right, but he didn't. He played as we expected him to, and worse than that, he gummed up certain outlets that we could have had. Like when he when he stood, you, you said quite humorously, but also in a sense quite rightly that the best defensive thing he did was getting Ryan Christie's way. So, if that's the case, if you're actually negating the offensive um, danger that your team can cause because you have a lack of tactical awareness and your enthusiasm outstrips your judgment, yep. then especially because the right centre-backs are weakest position as well, mm-hmm. I just think I think it's a given that you've got to change that slot on the right-hand side. And yep. James Forrest would be the the selection that I think most people would probably go for. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm getting to the stage where it's like all in in the hand. Maybe I'd maybe fling parts in that jersey, you know. I've got faith in young players, and I sometimes think young players can do things that you don't expect, but I would also be prepared to protect them if need be. Steve Clark's got a handful um, of, of uh, it's sort of a headache that he's going to have to manage over the next couple of days of, of who goes where and who replaces who. Um, on Stephen O'Donnell, I've already mentioned I wanted him in the squad and I already mentioned that he should have started uh, and I wanted him to start. Um, I said to the guys I was with yesterday, uh, I'm, I'm slightly taking that back as the minutes cl- uh, you click on here. Um, I thought he was utterly hopeless yesterday. Um, getting in Ryan Christie's way, absolutely wound me up um, because I, I always look at games from a tactical perspective on where players should be on the park and doing their job. Him uh, trying to 
to make an inverted run when Ryan Christie's going into that space with the ball is is naivety. It, it, it's showing he has no tactical sort of prowess. He should have overlapped and given him an option that he could have when he Ryan Christie could have inverted and then played the ball to the side and it allows um O'Donnell to, to overlap and run in and swing a ball in. Thing is, viral, by the way, like that's that's not that's not like a this is a professional footballer making a difficult tactical decision. That's mm. something you would a kid like once they hit sort of double figures in age, like maybe under twelves or something, you would say, "Look, you shouldn't be getting in your winger's way in that situation, especially when the winger's a player that's going to cut inside on his left foot <laughs> rather than stretch out on the right." If if a guy like me who has uh, very poor footballing ability, uh, let's put that mild, not to put it too mild, I'm absolutely opposite football. If I, if I can see that, how is someone that can actually play a game not seeing that? Um, to, moving away from that, I don't think he offered much on the attacking front. I don't think he, he did too well um, defensively. Again, I thought he was poor. I thought he was quite weak. Um. Uh, I'm gonna to have to give him a three. I had so much hopes for him, but I'm, I, 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 Marshall, I like this. So I'm actually gonna take a note of these. So you gave Marshall what was that five? Is that nine? Uh, five. Yeah. Marshall. So you've gone five. I've gone six, and then you've gone one lower than me again here. Um, I was gonna give him a two, but um, I'm I'm not gonna go that that far. Um, I I think that would be a little bit too harsh. I think three is. I think that's a fair um, assessment of his his game um, and rating of his game. If I'm being honest. Okay, Jack Hendry. I am going to go for a a four based on not just the the shot and the fact that to be honest, he's a bit. Um, I just think when it comes to his, the defensive side of his game, he seems to concentrate more on the playing out for the back than the actual defending. I think his positional awareness is poor. Yeah. And I think, I think to be honest, he's a bit of a liability at the back. And for all that, there is something to be said for keeping your composure at the back and doing things. There's also something to be said for knowing when not to overplay. Mm-hmm. And, there were spells in yesterday's game where he and others at the back for Scotland were just overplaying and trying to play out when it wasn't working. And yeah. we did the skill to squeeze it. And there was one bit in particular just after the second goal had gone in. And he got the ball on the edge of our 18-yard box in the middle and took a rather clumsy touch around a challenge and then played out. And it worked all right. But, I mean, if it had gone wrong, it was 3-0 and game over. And... I had no confidence in him in that situation and I felt he had too much confidence in himself, particularly for someone that had just pretty much given the ball away that led to the equaliser, you know? So, in fact, that is what happened by the finish shoot. So, this was an expected one because I thought he would be the player that would be most likely to let us down Mm. in terms of most likely to to make a mistake leading to an opposition goal, and that's how it turned out. Mm. So um, to get in, to I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a four again. I just I just don't think it was it was a good enough performance, and I would be leaning somewhat inclined to maybe. So if Kieran Tierney plays, then. 
I think you maybe move Cooper into the middle and Hanley out to to the right back slot. Or I mean, I know Cooper's a left sided defender, but if you want to keep Hanley as the stopper, maybe yeah. just play him in the wrong side or the or the back three. You know, um, mm. I don't know, but I, I definitely anything that keeps Jack Hendry out of there. I'm happy with. So, I Jack Hendry's getting a four for me. Um, I, I spoke to um, Barry Ferguson yesterday, and he was talking about. Oh, uh, how, how, how that? How, what, what happened there? Talk me through that. Um, I would tell Go Radio we're doing a, a live. Um, they were doing a, a sort of live broadcast before and after the game from the Radisson Red in Glasgow. Um, managed to. Um, my friend was going along, gave me an invite, um, and managed to. to you know, Wango, well, not Wango, they were g- giving us an opportunity to go live on the radio and talk to um, renowned journalist Mark Guidi uh, and obviously Barry Ferguson, um, an opportunity I certainly was not going to, to pass up on, um, yeah. even though the nerves were getting the, the best of me. Um, but yeah, listen, I spoke to Barry Ferguson, he was saying that before the game, he was saying there's no player that's in the squad that that we don't have faith in. And I agree with him because I, I looked at the squad that Steve Clark chose. I think um, maybe bar Ryan Gold, I, I think he was unlucky not to get into the squad. But every player that, that was picked, um, I, I had full faith in that they would be able to do a job. Um, and that includes Jack Hendry because I think Jack Hendry uh, had a torrid time at Celtic where he was in a very good squad but didn't play to, to the best of his ability. Um, and I can see why people don't rate Jack Henry too kindly. Um, he's then went to Ostend in Belgium, and he's turned out to be one of the best players in the, the Belgian league. Some people will say, well, that tells you the, the value of the, the Belgian product. I look at it a different way. I see it. Uh, in this, I've, I've commentated in that league before. It's a good league. It's, yeah. it's a really, really decent standard. And I think it's maybe evidence culturally of what people value in defenders differently when mm. you go out. With a Scotland, I still think we've got a kind of traditionalist view of, you know, I mean, kick it, head it, do that bit right first. Mm. Whereas I think abroad, there's a bit more of an appreciation for defenders who can play out and initiate attacks, and they probably wouldn't have been flapping the way I did when he <laughs> took that touch in the edges box, you know. I, I, I mean, uh, this could be another podcast in its entirety, but I think there's a view from many within Scottish football um, that it's a snobbery and we look down on on different way the ways that different leagues plays, especially leagues that are maybe on par with us or below us. Um, but I'll touch on that on a, a separate occasion, I'm sure. Um, but listen, Jack Hendry's went out there, he's honed his craft, He's improved as a footballer and deservedly uh, earned a call up to the to the national team squad. Steve Clark's put his faith in him, and I don't think Jack Henry's done much in terms of letting Steve Clark down. He was fantastic against the Netherlands. Um, you know, a, a great great finish against you know um, the Netherlands. Um, Scotland were unlucky not to win that, um, but to be refereeing cost. But listen, that's by the by. Um, yesterday he was naive and he made a he made a mistake that proved to be to be costly. That's football. That happens, and I can accept it. Um, should he have done better? One hundred percent. Should he have seen the, the the options? Yes, he should have. However, I think he's a player that um, in that in that moment in time he played the occasion rather than the game. Um, but based on his his whole game uh, overall. I'm I'm going to be inclined to give him a six if I'm being honest. I, I, other than the the sort of uh, mistake where it led to Sheik um, hitting it over David Marshall, 
uh, that's the only down part from me. Um, and I'm, I, I think a six is a, a fair assessment of his of his. Uh, I, I, I don't, but good on you, mate. I like the word. I like the word different in our assessments of things. Grant Hanley, uh, no Norwich bias here, but there are <laughs> occasions. Uh, genuinely, no Norwich bias. I thought that there's a miss interpretation in Scotland about what Grant Hanley is as a footballer. He is quick, he is brave and all of those kind of things, but he's no clumsy or a bomb scare either. Playing under Daniel Fark at Norwich, he's learned to step out with the ball and can switch the play a wee bit and stuff now. He's got better at all those aspects. And I would say of the central defenders that are playing for Scotland right now, or the natural centre-halves, I think it's between him and Liam Cooper for who's the best. And mm -hmm. because Liam Cooper's ideal position is normally occupied by Kieran Tierney, that makes him the first choice Scottish central defender for me. Mm. Uh, if, you, if you include Tierney as, as a wing-back, obviously if you're including Tierney as a, a central defender, then he's first. He's probably yeah. the first choice defender, even though Andy Robertson's the captain. So... Grant Hanley, there was a couple of occasions yesterday where there was threats of a check break because we were playing quite a high line. I actually should say stylistically, I really like the style that we tried to play. And I think, as I say, it was the, the work in both boxes that let us down. But Grant Hanley played really well yesterday. And I think a few people would maybe point to the, the, the opening goal where he was a little bit under the ball, but he, I mean, he couldn't really jump higher. And then... The man's behind him, so for me, it's getting into that gap isn't really on Hanley. It should be more on the player behind him, who I think was Liam Cooper, to close mm. the space, and that's that's where I would apportion the blame there. Now, I think Hanley played pretty decently yesterday, and similarly to your rating for Jack Hendry, I think I would give him I would give him a six. Like I, I think I think actually I would give him a seven, and that's. I, I think he did his job yesterday. Mm. I think he did his job. And I don't think Stephen O'Donnell or Jack Henry did their jobs. I think Grant Hanley did his job yesterday. Um, I, I think Grant Hanley um, was exceptional for Scotland yesterday. And similar to Andy Robertson, I think it's a, a good, it's a performance I've not seen from him. That, that's a relief because I was worried that bias was creeping in, but obviously not. No, not at all. I think you were fair in your assessment. But listen, I think that's Grant Hanley's best game in a Scotland shirt. He was quick to close out any danger. He was quick to nick in and take the ball away. Um, he was good. He, overall, he was good defensively. Um, and, and he did his job and he did it well. So uh, I, I think when you're talking of defenders and uh, you, people use the term no-nonsense. Grant Hanley is a no-nonsense defender. I agree with your, your assessment. He's not clumsy. He's not a bomb scare. He's not Shane Duffy. Uh, he is a capable, assured defender, whether that's heading the ball or taking the ball at his feet. He knows his job. He does it well. And for me, he gets a seven um, for, for his display yesterday. I'm oh, um, agreed on, mate. like it. Because I, I think... Um, I. I Think I would have to give him man of the match if, if I'm being honest. Um, in terms of Scotland, I, I think he was he was Scotland's best player. Um, man of the match, I think, obviously goes to Patrick Sheik. But um, from a Scotland perspective, uh, it's Grant Hanley for me. Well, that's a surprise. Uh, I, I would give it to Andy Robertson, as we will come to see in a minute. Let you go first on Liam Cooper, mate. What did you reckon to his performance? 
Uh, I'm not going to lie. I didn't notice Liam Cooper at all yesterday. I actually forgot he was in the team sheet. Um, that he was. I noticed him punting the ball aimlessly up the park. Well, well, not aimlessly, but just punting up, hopefully, mm. uh, very often. So I'm surprised at that particular remark, but that's interesting that that's what... Because that's the joy of these things. You see the game differently. Surprising mm. that you, you didn't notice him. I didn't notice him at all. Um, you know, compare it to when Kieran Tierney's in that position. You notice Kieran Tierney because he, he's making himself available and he's always willing to, to take the ball at his feet and make a run and, and sort of open space up a little bit. Didn't see that from Liam, Liam Cooper yesterday. Um, I know he plays for Leeds. I think he's a Leeds captain. People rate him very highly, but uh, based on yesterday, I didn't see much from him. Um, offensively or defensively, um, didn't didn't notice too much from him. So I'm, I'm really struggling to think of a rating that, that would be fair um, because other people will have seen Liam Cooper um, and seeing well, he did this, and I think he did that, and this is why he should get this rating. I didn't, I didn't see anything that impressed me. I'm not going to say well, he's getting a one or a two because I don't think that's that's fair in terms of. I, I, I think that's probably too harsh, but I am just going to hit it right down the middle um, and give him a five. Fair enough, I understand that. I think in the general grade point system, you seem to be going one lower than me. Mm. So in some ways, your seven for Grant Hanley was actually an eight on my scale. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that's like in terms of the gradations, that that seems to be the the general kind of rule of thumb with the average so far. Uh, I would give just to keep <laughs> in line with that. I, I would give Liam Cooper a six because I think similar to you, I don't think he did anything wrong, and I think measuring him against the person who would have had that jersey is harsh to any player because. Yeah. Kieran Tierney's a magnificent footballer and one of the best defenders, one of the best natural defenders in world football, in, in my opinion, to be honest. Um, I, I think he's that good, and I think he's a good, good bit ahead. Rory Hamilton suggested that in episode one of this pod, and I wholeheartedly agree. I think he's a better player than Andy Robertson because he's a better defender. I think he's got better end product probably in some ways going forward. Probably a lot of Liverpool fans that, that are my mates listening to this will, will not agree with that, but I, I would say that. And I think the only can the, the big difference between them is Andy Robertson can run all day and all night and play 50, 60 games a season. Kieran Tierney, and I, I think part of the reason for this is the ridiculous schedule. Celtic have done pretty much 11 to 12 months a calendar year of football with no stoppages throughout his career as a young boy. I think yeah. that's going to come and affect him later on. I, but, I think it's already affected him. Um, yeah, um, I think it's really hampered his development as a player. He, he's been injured a few times at Arsenal. He's injured just now. Um, Celtic ran him into the ground. They they worked him like an absolute workhorse um, to the point where he, 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 he was injured. I think he was playing against Rangers in March of 2019 and he was injured while playing. Neil Lennon wasn't for subbing him off until it was... Um, a little bit too late. So, listen, Celtic got their money worth out of Kieran Tierney. They got their £25 million because they worked the boy um, unbelievably hard and, and now he's he's paying for it. Um, and I think that's what you're starting to see with Callum McGregor is he's following the same schedule. Um, for a good couple of years, I think he's played the most minutes in world football um, over the past couple of seasons. People are saying, well, look at Callum McGregor. He's re regressed this season. Well, no wonder because Celtic have, again, worked him 
far too hard, but I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to Callum McGregor and his rating for coming on as a sub, but maybe we're not doing that. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll do the subs as well, but we'll probably be a bit quicker on them. I agree with you though, um, wholeheartedly. I, I think but, but, he's a better player than Robertson. On, on uh, oh, sorry, on Liam Cooper, though, uh, just getting by to that, I would give him a six because it's unfair to compare him against Tierney. Mm. I think he did the defensive side of the game for the most part pretty well, bar closing that space for the header, but you could probably dole out blame by committee on that. I thought the main mistake for the concession of the opening goal was Stephen O'Donnell not closing out quick enough. So, again, you can kind of lay that at his door. Yeah, uh, I think Cooper. I think Cooper did well, and considering it was an eleventh hour call as well, I thought he looked up for the game and, and did decently. But we seriously, seriously missed Kieran Tierney's ability to step out because he knit the defence in the midfield together for Scotland, and yeah. we didn't have that yesterday. Um, but yeah, it's a six for me um, for for Liam Cooper. So. That's um, it's interesting that you've you've got my five there as well. Andy Robertson, mate, on you go. Um, Tell us because I've got a feeling we're going to disagree here. As I said, Andy Robertson, um, arguably his best performance in a Scotland top, similar to, to Grant Handley. Uh, it was a really assured display from him, a captain's performance. He, he did really well, both defensively and offensively. Um, he offered Scotland more than what he normally does. Um, and he, he was there, and he was he was always there, and he was making sure that people were 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 doing their jobs, and he was he was motivating the players. You could see it. Um, so based based on all of that, I think it's only fair that um, I said Grant Hanley would be my man of the match, and I gave him a seven. Uh, on that, I, I think it's only fair to to say that that it was a close one. But I'm also going to rate him a seven because I think he played. I've, I mean, I've already said the reasons, but I think Grant Hanley just just edged it for for man of the match. But yeah, listen, I, I don't. I think giving him a six would do him a disservice. So yeah, nah, I'm going to rate him a seven. Fair play, my man. Um, Robertson for me was the best player in dark blue yesterday, and by quite a distance. I think if he'd finished his chance, which he kind of deserved to, on the basis of the the, the forcefulness of his performance. Uh, I, I I mean it would have been a 9 but I'm giving him an 8 I thought he played every inch looked like a Scotland captain was lifting everyone round about him was talking to all of the other players which is a bit hard that he do on a wide, in a wide position than it is on a wing yeah. if you're on the wing then you're obviously you're a bit isolated especially from like Stephen O'Donnell on the other side who could perhaps have done with a few words to be honest um, I think though Andy Robertson was was superb yesterday, and I think he should be very proud of an individual sense of his performance and what he what he tried to do. It's a shame that it, it didn't work out. To be honest, is is the only is the only sort of thing about it. But I Andy Robertson's getting an eight out of ten for me. I thought it was like you. I thought it was his best game for Scotland and. I think it was the fact that he tried to step up because he knew Tierney wasn't there. And I yeah. thought, without trying to do too much, he tried to compensate for that by being even more forceful with his attack and running, but also making the bits of the jigsaw that operated round about him work better. But he also seemed to have a bit of a, a hold and control in the defence as well. Um, mm. And he just thinks about the game the right way. Like in his post-match interview, when he says we could have been a bit braver with our line and stuff like that, 
you can just tell this is this is somebody that's quite cerebral and, and thinks about the game the right way. Yeah, not a hundred percent. Excellent. So let's move on to the midfield and we will start with Scott McTominay. I'll go first here. Scott McTominay's getting a four for me. I thought he was underwhelming in the extreme. And maybe part of that four and not a five is the fact he's a Man United player. But I, I don't I know he's still quite young, but he's mm. he's old enough. If you're playing in the Man United first team, you're old enough, you're experienced enough, you you have to take the responsibility that being that player in the Scotland team is it, like it put on you by virtue of the fact that you're a Manchester United player. Darren Fletcher did it for the, the moment that he stepped into the Scotland team. I think his first game was away in Slovenia or Slovakia. It was quality there. Um, and from the moment that Darren Fletcher played, oh, sorry, maybe that was his first goal. Um, memories in a haze now um, when you get to a certain age. But Fletcher, for the moment that he was in the Scotland team, it was like, oh, this is the kid for Man United. And he looked like a player that was operating at a better level than those round about him, mm -hmm. even, as a, even as a kid. He had that. He took that responsibility on his shoulders and never shirked it and was a brilliant professional and a cracking Scotland international. Now, Scott McTominay has, I mean, let's be honest, the reason we went to extra time against Serbia was on him. And that was a nervous, fraught extra time. And don't get me wrong, penalties is a really dramatic and brilliant way to do it. And the David Marshall memes will, will live in the cybersphere forevermore. But Scott McTominay has not done enough in his time as a Scotland player to be befitting of being the Man United player in the Scotland team. And unfortunately, there's going to be the parallel drawn with Darren Fletcher. And it's you can't do it from a footballing standpoint, because I definitely think Fletcher was more of a footballer. But in terms of standards, right, because that's something that Fergie, for example, preached at Man United all the time. It's all about standards. Steven Gerrard, when he came into Rangers, even though even before he'd managed to implement the standards that he wanted, he's always talking about standards. It's one of these things that's thrown about by people that operate at the top echelons of football. Now, if we want Scotland to try and replicate these bigger clubs, then you need players like Scott McTominay to be setting standards. The standard that Scott McTominay set yesterday in that Scotland jersey was mediocrity. Four out of ten. Um, again, it's Liam Cooper for me didn't do too much right. He didn't do too much wrong. Um, he wasn't noticeable. I'm going to say the same for Scott McTominay. I don't think he was noticeable. Um, I, I would say I think he was noticeable by how, how maybe absent he was in the game. Um, certainly not his best performance. Um, I, I, he didn't. He didn't impose himself in the game uh, the way many would expect him to for from being a Man United player. With that being said, and um, it's the thing I'm going to take away from it, I know Scott McTominay can be better than how he's performed for Scotland um, yesterday. Um, and maybe in Serbia, I think he was at fault for the goal. Nah, I'm not going to disagree with that. He was at fault for the goal. But um, based on his, his performance yesterday, um, maybe I'm being too generous or maybe you're being too harsh. I, I don't know. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit him with the same as Liam Cooper. He's, he's getting a six for me. Um and, and people will maybe... I think it was Liam Cooper a five. I thought you said straight in the middle. What's uh, that? I, I think you gave, you gave Cooper a five, and I was going to ask you, did you give Robertson a seven? Is that right? 
I it's all top words. So I gave Robertson a seven, um, and I'm gonna I I'll I'll do the same way, mate Tomney, because I think in the terms of that um, him and Cooper, I didn't really notice them that much. I'm just gonna head it straight down the middle with a five. Um, I, I think that would be a, a fair a fair assessment. Um, maybe I'm being too generous, but. Uh, I, I, I think that probably is fair and maybe I'm being the unfair one there but I, I feel it's deserved unfairness mm. um, that's a word, lack of fairness it's a deserved lack of fairness because I just I just don't think it was uh, standards I just come back to my standards point he's got to be one that set the standard Andy Robertson set the standard yesterday and Scott McTominay, if he'd maybe done that in the midfield, maybe maybe the game goes differently. Don't think it was a massive deciding factor in the game, his non-performance, but mm. I do think we would have benefited a lot if he could yeah. have he done more. And I don't think Susek was was that imposing on the game that that it made it difficult in the middle for Scotland. You know, yeah. like I, I think he could have got in about it quite easily just by I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe a bit more application in terms of the press. Yeah. Uh, I mean, traditionally in shape wise, I think that's the one thing I would say. And McTominay's kind of defends us. I, I think he understood the shape not too badly, despite the the sort of the the wrinkles in the formation that you you mentioned. Mm. But I, just just not not good enough for me in in the end. I think a player that is playing at that level week in week out. You've got to replicate that standard when you play with Scotland because we need you to do that. We don't well, want I, you to bring your level down to the everyone else. You've got to lift mm. theirs up. Well, I, I think I'd be a hypocrite in disagreeing with you because it's something I've said for Andy Robertson for a while is he needs to perform how he does with Liverpool, um, with Scotland. Um, so, yeah, listen, I'm not going to disagree with that. I think that's something Scott McTominay has to do. It's something he has done before, but I think he needs to be consistent in it. Um, so I'll, I'll agree with you on that. Okay, the other Mac in the middle of the park, John McGinn. Uh, how did you feel he played, mate? Um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, again, I didn't notice him that much. Again, maybe noticeable by by absence in, in terms of how he performed. I don't, I don't think it was a John McGinn we we expect to see. I don't think he was as flamboyant as and you know flawless as he as he usually is. Um, <sighs> It's a hard one because he's a really good player, but I, I don't think he, he maybe he was marked out the game. I, I don't maybe that would be a fair thing to say. He was marked out the game by the checks, and um, that he couldn't impose himself in the uh, on the the game and, and you know push Scotland forward. Um, but I'm I'm not going to do him a disservice. I think I think a six would be would be fair because or no, I think a five would be would be fair because he he didn't do as well as he could have, but he didn't do anything wrong. I'd hit my mute button there and I was busy typing in names and, and keeping a track of ratings. Um, Callum Mitchell's come in with a comment just to say, put Gilmar and Patterson in the team. Tierney back, we will have a chance to cause problems to England. I would not be against that. No, me neither. Um, wouldn't wouldn't be against it. We've spoken at length about Patterson. Um, it's just whether or not Steve Clark sees him as a, a sort of um, maybe as a secret weapon, or maybe it sees it as a, a an area of concern. Can, can you put Patterson up against Sterling? No. It'll be interesting to see. But um, Gilmore, not opposed to him coming into the squad at all. Um, he's a great player, um, Champions League winner for God's sake. So uh, listen, not not opposed to, to any of it. Uh, 
Yeah, Billy Gilmer, by the way, in episode three, I spoke to Sean Kenny, who is, has known Billy since he was a wane and has watched him grow up. Obviously, Billy Gilmer, very much the, the pride of the local area in terms of where I'm from down in Ayrshire. So it would be brilliant to see Billy and the team. But thanks, Callum, for getting in touch with your suggestions for Friday. Anybody else who wants to get in touch in the chat with ratings or suggestions, then please do so. That would be that would be good to know. Um, Margot Murphy actually says, um, on Friday, I would play Adams, Forrest and Craig Gordon. Interesting. Would you consider changing the keeper? Um, anybody that knows me knows that I'm not Craig Gordon's biggest fan. Uh, one of my mates, Adam, is a Hearts fan, absolutely loves Craig Gordon. Um, and he's he's taken no sort of um left, no sort of punches not left on me about Barkas this season at Celtic. <laughs> um, listen, Craig Gordon's a fantastic player. I said on Go Radio yesterday to Barry Ferguson and Mark Guidi that Craig Gordon's a, he's a great shot stopper. Um, I just think he's a keeper that's inconsistent um, in terms of he made some amount of blunders for Celtic. Um, that was more after he was asked to change his game, though. Um, so I would say Gordon before Brendan Rodgers getting his head about playing out for the back was actually really pretty solid for the most part. And I'd never seen him make a mistake for Scotland up to the point of that, you know. Um, whereas... If I look at the, the the friendly match he played recently, I thought it was caught quite flat-footed, as good as the free kick was, mm. you know, um, against the Dutch. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think, and particularly if you remember the season under Ronnie Dyla, where Celtic, I think they got out the group stages, didn't they? And that was just because Craig Gordon stopped it being cricket scores for the opposition every single European game. Yeah. So I, I think Gordon's had his, I mean, I think his peak has passed. But I think you could probably say the same for David Marshall. But no, I wouldn't change the keeper. By the way, I, I think like goalkeeper is a position where it's it's a massive upheaval to change mid-tournament. The, the, so, thing, the thing about Craig Gordon is he made he has made some amount of mistakes for um, Celtic. I mean, Erby Salzburg probably the the one I remember because it was so quick but uh, so though um not oh, it was so um close to where we are now it was 20 2018 um but for me i think you have to change the goalkeeper um i'm not gordon's biggest fan and that's what i was touching on but i i don't think he makes a mistake um that that marsh made made yesterday and i think we could benefit from his, his shot stopping ability, um, especially when you've got someone as ferocious as, as Harry Kane. Is. Um, so, I I am on the other side to you, Stuart. I I would be changing the goalkeeper because I think wow. David has now had a dent in his confidence, um, and I think you have to. I think it has to be Craig Gordon. He's the second best keeper um, for Scotland. I think David Marshall still is better, but. I think it's a confidence issue, and I think Craig Gordon didn't put a foot wrong against the, the Netherlands. So I, I say, why not try him against England? Okay, I'm going to put a poll on my Twitter after I uh, see what the result comes up with, uh, just after we talk about John McGinn. You gave him a, a five because you said you didn't really notice him. Yeah. I thought John McGinn a few times tried to, to get the team moving forward. He turned, he got the ball, carried it, turned well and got the team up the pitch a wee bit. And I, I think, you know, particularly in the second half, he, he began to show shades of, of what he's all about. 
What he didn't do is he didn't get into the opposition box with well-timed runs that caused them problems and get himself in positions to finish chances, which is what he's been doing so well for Scotland and what we really kind of need him to do if we can. So I, I think um, I think that's that's something that would, would incline me just because he wasn't great, but he managed to, to get through uh, to to carry the ball and, and to, I don't know, just, just begin to calm Scotland down and get us playing a bit of football, I'd be inclined to give him a six. But I'll tell you what, let's let's speed up the rate that we're doing these at. Um, I will quickly move on to talk about Stuart Armstrong. I think Armstrong I'm giving a seven, which a lot of people might not agree with, but I think Stuart Armstrong, particularly in the early stages yesterday, was really positive. He was doing all the Stuart Armstrong things. Then when Shea Adams came on, I think you could see the understanding that they've developed at club level. So I, I think there's a, a definite a definite thing in my head to say Stuart Adams should maybe keep his jersey against England, and I think I will be in the minority saying that. But I would give Stuart Armstrong's performance yesterday a 7 out of 10. I thought he was the best of Scotland's midfield three. I thought he was the one that made runs in good areas. Most of his passing was decent. And there was a couple of sort of times that he kind of helped to contribute to creating chances. So, aye, I'm giving him a 7 out of 10, and I thought he was Scotland's best midfielder. I'm not going to disagree. I think he was Scotland's best midfielder. Um, he was really great in the, the early stages of the game. He wasn't afraid to take the ball on and ha- uh, sort of try and make things happen. Uh, but that's typical Stuart Armstrong. That's how good he is. Um, that's how he got his move from Celtic. Um, so, listen, uh, can't can't take that away from him. Uh, didn't do anything wrong for me. Could he have done a little bit more? Perhaps. Um but I, I, I think, um, and especially, sorry, just when Shea Adams came on, I think they did, they linked up well. I think that they've got that understanding from club level, as you mentioned. Um, but I um, I think I think a six is is, is probably fair um, for me um, because okay. I, I don't think he was as well as Grant Hanley or Andy Robertson. Um, so I, I think a six would be would be fair. For, for me, anyway. I don't disagree with you giving them a seven, but... Um, no, 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 that was just sticking to the grade point average. Are you being sort of one lower than me? So I'm liking the consistency with that, to be fair. Um, Ryan Christie was... I kind of feel sorry for him, because the best thing he did in the game was mucked up his teammate getting in his way. But yeah. I, I think for the most part, Ryan Christie has regressed with Scotland ever since his magical moment in Serbia that I described after it as being like having a radar in the back of his head and knowing exactly where to put it. It was an amazing finish and a, a fantastic Scotland memory. Mm. But And the interview after the game was even more memorable, arguably. I think he, he summed up the feelings of a nation uh, and and the emotions of a nation. It was it was amazing. But uh, this is a Neil Lennon's broken him. Uh, uh, Ryan Christie is not the same Ryan Christie that he was Six months ago, he's not this. Maybe eight months ago now, he's not the same Ryan Christie that he was eighteen months ago. He's he's really regressed in terms of his level, and it's not like with Scotland he's he's getting back to the level he was. I think he's slightly better, but I still don't think he's back where he can be as a player. And what I'm hoping is 
that it wasn't just a, a purple patch of 18 months to two years where he was really good and he'll, he'll sort of fade now. I hope he can get back to that level. But I feel it's a legitimate question to ask, can he, rather than just waiting for when he will? I think so, I, oh, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, so I, my, my rating for him yesterday is a five out of ten. I I, I think for me, Ryan Christie, um, to, when he came into the Celtic squad uh, in 2018, he was thrown into the Lions' den in Leipzig by Rodgers. Um, people will have their, their take on whether Rodgers did that as a statement to the board or not. Um, I think Ryan Christie, um, from 2018 to 2019 to when he got injured, was in fantastic form and, and probably one of Celtic's best players in that season. Um, under Neil Lennon, uh, like many, he has regressed. He's not the player he was. Um, sad because I, I rate Ryan Christie. I think he's a great player and I think he deserves a move away from Celtic. I think that is what's going to be best for his career um, so that he can kick on and develop and, and be as good a player as many of us know he can be. But listen, Celtic have staggered the development of um, uh, Ryan Christie, uh, Odson Edouard, um Christopher Iyer, um in the past year. So um, I, I'm going to put it down to that. I don't think it was a purple patch Christie had. I think he's a good enough player and he just needs to be under a good enough coach. As for his performance yesterday, it was typical of how he performed all season with Celtic. Um, and the goal against Serbia, which, you know, uh, we're, we're all going to give him credit for. He deserves it. I'm going to liken it to the situation right now when um, Tony Watt scored against Barcelona. Um, biggest moment of his career and he's not done much since then um, but I th unlike Tony Watt I think um, Ryan Christie will go on and play uh, at you know, a high level such as uh, the English Premier League so um, based on yesterday's performance the best thing he did was cancelled out by Stephen O'Donnell um, so other than that uh, I think I have to, to be fair to him and be fair to the how I've rated everyone else. He gets a four for me. Um, other, he didn't do anything too special. Um, and had he taken a shot from Long and kicked it out Hamden Park, he'd probably get a two because we, we know that's how he can be this season. But yeah, a, a four is probably accurate. Fair enough, mate. I think that's um, keeping with the, the grade point average. Lyndon Dykes, I am giving a six out of ten. A lot of people criticised his performance. And the reason it's not a seven is because I thought his finishing needed to be better with that chance that he hit with his left foot. I thought he did everything right, bar the finish. I thought he, he sort of peeled off well, found the space, took it first time, which was also the right thing to do. But he had to turn near the goalkeeper, and he's a striker. He's paid when he's in club, uh, playing, playing for his club to score goals. And, and when he's playing for the national team, that's his job. Yeah. So I think on that basis... That's why it's a six and not a seven. But I thought he offered himself well. Loads of people saying on Twitter and stuff that he wasn't winning any flick-ons. He was winning loads of flick-ons. It was just that Ryan Christie or up alongside him wasn't wasn't getting on to them. And I think his link up with Shea Adams was not what had been kind of teased in the, the Luxembourg game where they looked to really, really be on the same uh, kind of plane mentally, you know? And that yeah. did seem a real sense that they... They were dovetailing really well and, and, and playing really well off of one another. I didn't see that in the second half yesterday, but I thought Lyndon Dykes performed. I, I thought he was work, good in a workmanlike way, but I've got concerns building about his ability to finish chances because against Luxembourg, he was profligate in the extreme. And I think yesterday he was 
profligate when presented with chances as well. But at least chances are appearing when he's in the team is the one thing I would say in defence of that. But that's a kind of loser's attitude that, oh, at least we're getting chances, right? We don't want that. We want chances to begin in. So I, I, I'm giving Lyndon Dyke a six. I thought his application was there. I thought he was decent as a target. Uh, made it stick a few times, but we need more. We need more in terms of his prowess when it comes to fashion. So I six for me. Um, I think for me, London Dykes didn't perform to the the level I expected him to. Um, however, I do think that was down to a tactical um, sense that Steve Clark, you know, sort of was. Kieran Tierney was out of the squad. He had to make a change somewhere. However, I don't think he should have made any changes to the the aspect of his lineup where it, it deviated from the three five two or the five three two, whatever aspect you want to look at it. Because I think uh, Lyndon Dykes plays better as someone running off him, um, and I think that has to be a striker and Shea Adams or Kevin Nisbet. Lyndon Dykes is a great ball winner. He wins the ball in the air all the time. Um, he knocks the ball on, and it can lead to chances. It wasn't happening for him yesterday. People saying that they didn't see him um, knocking balls on ridiculous. Um, but for me, the main aspect of your striker isn't to knock balls on, especially when you're the lone striker. Your ability to is to score, and he didn't have any of that yesterday, and he had some glorious chances to, to score for Scotland. Um, and based on that, and based on, off on his ability not being able to do that, sorry, just quickly, um, someone tweeted uh, earlier this morning saying that a fit Lee Griffiths is better than Lyndon Dykes. No one's going to disagree with that. Um, however, Sadly, Lee Griffiths hasn't been fit for 15 months. Had he been fit, had he been in the squad, I think he's scoring those chances that Dykes doesn't, and I think Scotland are winning the game. And based on Dykes not being able to score, and that's the main aspect you want from a striker, I'm going to hit him with a Stephen O'Donnell. He's getting a three. Wow. I sure. thought that might be, be harsh, but I, I think that I think that's a total fair um, assessment, um, if I'm being honest. Wow. Wow. Bush League for the man from the bush down under. Um, <laughs> bush League, great, I mean. <laughs> but, um, aye, right, Shea Adams came on. What do you think of his performance? Hopefully, hopefully it'll be kind of to him, mate. I'm not going to say he changed the game because nobody changed the game, but he impacted the game and he brought a positive impact to the game. And I think he did incredibly well. Um, I think he should have been on from from the minute go. I think he should start on Friday. Um, and based on his half performance that we've seen and the half that he had, I'm going to give him a five. Okay, that's a solid enough rating there. Uh, by the way, I've got a poll running on my Twitter that I meant to put for 15 minutes, but I've clearly failed to do properly. Should David Marshall start against England at the moment? That's sitting 57% yes, uh, 42% no. So... Um, Aye, let, let me know your thoughts and feel free to have a vote on that, Stefan. Uh, I So, sorry, what did you give Adams there? Uh, a five. A five, right. Um, and we're not doing that thing, by the way, that you sometimes see in newspapers where, like, because they've only played a certain number of minutes, they get a two or a three. It will not be that. They'll be, it's, it's, it's an average over the course of the performance rated on the same scale. Um, I would give... Um, she Adams up a six, so kind of. I think we see your five is my six. It seems to be the the, the kind of thing here. I, yeah. I thought he was good. I thought he came on, and I thought he did all of the stuff that you would expect him to do. But he did not get into a position, or particularly himself, create a position for someone else where there was a guilt edged opportunity. But I thought he gave them plenty to think about. 
and I think he looked a better team when he came on. And yeah. I think the, the versatility in his game affords us so the fact that he can he can peel off into the wide areas and do trouble in the channels, but he's also really good in the, the gap between the, the defence and the midfield and central areas can drop off. I think that versatility in his game affords Scotland more options. And I think we don't even need to, to see it as a two up front necessarily when we play him. We yeah. could play like a sitting two and then sort of two wider guys and, and one behind the striker. There's a few ways we could construct it. And I suppose that is one of the good things about Scotland being where they are right now is we do have those options. But yeah, um, Shea Adams for me is getting a six. Uh, I'm going to jump on to Callum McGregor, who came on and did exactly what I expected him to do, which wasn't really much. Uh, I think he, he kind of there was a few times that he sort of got the ball down and, and, and kind of calmed the play down but I also remember him giving the ball away at least once notably and probably a couple of times uh, it's a 5 out of 10 for me and that's right in line with his season, he's, he's really regressed but I, I made this this argument in in the, the, the first pod of this run mate, I, I just think he's clapped out, Like uh, similar to the other Celtic players we mentioned, I just think he's tired out I think his confidence has been knocked with the season Celtic have had a wee bit. Yeah. And I think he'd benefit from a move, to be honest. I think it's, it's time for, for him, the best thing would be to get out of Dodge. Um, I, I'll, I'll disagree with that. I think uh, Celtic, listen, he has regressed 100%. I'm not, not going to disagree with that. I think he has. Um, however, I don't... I, I see Callum McGregor as an ex-Celtic captain. Um, he's an assured player. He's a confident player. Um, and he's not afraid. However, when he's in regression mode, he passes the ball back and he plays too safe. I'm not going to be against that, um, but I think I think he has to be braver in, in some aspects. Um, so, no, I, I think Celtic need Callum McGregor. I think Celtic need or needed Scott Brown to stay um, under Ange Postecoglou. Um, to have really? Brown. I'll tell you what, that can be the first thing we debate in your podcast then. Yeah, no, let's do that. Um, a hundred percent. But um, listen, I I think for Celtic to lose a captain and a leader in Scott Brown, I think it only noticeably, um, or you know, notably would fall on Callum McGregor. If Celtic lose Scott Brown and Callum McGregor, they have no leaders in the squad. Absolutely no one. So I think Celtic need Callum McGregor to stay, and I think Callum McGregor. Um, need Celtic to stay because I don't think he's going to get a big money move and I don't think he's going to go to a big club down in England um, if I'm being honest with you, not in the performance of last season, so he has regressed um, on his performance yesterday don't think he did too much wrong, didn't do too much right, he was only on for you know, minutes um, but um, I, I think I wanted him to start um, but I I, I, do, I have to give him a four, if I'm being honest. Um, don't like giving Callum McGregor um, a player of his quality that number, but yeah, he didn't. He didn't impact the game. So, so just to confirm that it's not. It's not because he was on as a sub that is less. It's just based on the, the same standards you've graded everyone else. That's yeah. a four. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Ryan Fraser. Uh, right. Uh, noticeably absent. Obviously wasn't and didn't start in the squad. Um, didn't do much when he came on. So, um, by my standard of not been doing much but not doing much wrong, a five has to be a, a fair, fair assessment. A four or a five. I'm, I'm going to give him a five. Um, because Ryan Fraser can be a an incredibly influential player for Scotland. But I think the change was brought on too late. So yeah, um, a five for me. Yeah. 
same thing, same reasons, to be honest. I don't think he did too much, but I think he could have probably done more. Uh, and it's that could have done more bit that, that makes it a five from from me for him. Uh, James Forrest. Um, impacted the game when he came on. He made a difference within four minutes. Um, really powerful player. Wasn't afraid to go um, at the, the Czech defence. Wasn't afraid to give it a go. I think he, he motivated and spurred players on. Um, it's something Celtic have missed all season is his ability to beat a man. Something I've questioned for him for a wee while now. Um, but you really see how much of a big miss he is to, to Celtic. But how big a miss he can be for you. So um, based on that, I thought he had a great game when he came on. I'm going to give him a six. Fair play. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I, I've given him a six. And again, it's for similar reasons, mate. I thought he affected the game when he came on. I have my reservations over him as a player and I think I think his game should have developed more uh, given yeah. how long he's been a professional. <laughs> like, uh, the fact that he's still so very one-footed, I think, is a real weakness. Uh, I think there's there's problems with his physicality, which are not necessarily all of his own making. He's got problems with his back and stuff. But I just think I, I think there's more. It's always like there's been the promise of more from him, and he's never delivered. And I don't think he's ever been that great for Scotland. But I, I thought he he gave other than the, the hat trick <laughs> that that was maybe as good a showing uh, as he's had other than that game. So yeah, um, it's a it's a six for me, and I can definitely see the argument of why you would start him against England. Uh, Nisbet, uh, right? I had a wee bit to drink yesterday, so I'm not. <laughs> did did Kevin Nisbet come on the the park? He did. He did yes. Right, I, I genuinely don't even remember him at all being being brought on. So he came on late. Well, I mean, he, he didn't play that much, and the one thing I remember him doing was blittering it out of play. So um, a bit based, of desperation move by that point. Based on that, um, I'm not obviously going to give him a zero, but uh, based on that, he's going to get the rest that that sort of didn't didn't do much. I didn't do much wrong. Uh, I'm going to give him a. For you telling me he's blitzed the ball at a play, I'm going to give him a four. <laughs> ah, but that's just my conjecture. Right, okay, well, that kind of sticks with the grade point average because I'm giving him a five because I thought he put himself about and I think it's, it's kind of unfair to... It's, it's, it's a really unfair way to judge him, you know, like it's, it's, it's a small sample size and, uh, I mean, he's really... I think for the most part he's he's done well so far for Scotland. Yeah, and don't really kill that momentum just with with one sort of poor like short coming off the bench performance. Yeah. So I five out of ten for me. Steve Clark. Oh, sorry, on you go. I was just gonna say Kevin, this what's a player I would take at Celtic. I would be turning around to Hibernian and saying, Hey guys, how does you know, three point five million sound in Lee Griffiths? How, is that a sweetener on the deal? Um, because I think Kevin Nisbet could be a fantastic striker for, for Celtic. So uh, I think it would be a good one for all parties. But you know what happens? Celtic will quibble over a few hundred thousand pounds, and then uh, somebody else will come and get him. Uh, okay, yeah. Aye. 
So I like um, I, I can totally see that. I, I have actually made the same point myself, and my understanding is on that. By the way, um, given everybody likes that, I'm, when I break exclusive, still, uh, <laughs> not that this is an exclusive. Um, my understanding on that is that he is very, very keen on waiting for an approach from Celtic, even though other suitors are interested. So uh, it will be interesting to see what happens with that. But um, I, I think that's one that's it's not beyond the realms of possibility that that happens this summer or, or not long after. Final one we're going to give a grade to, um, and I'm going to let you go in a couple of minutes uh, because I understand you're going to get off. You're doing a bit of mountain climbing today, aren't you, mate? Yes, mate. Got Ben Lomond. Looking forward to climb Ben and back in October. That now, by the way, if there's a way to clear your head of... Scotland's mediocrity yesterday and the perfect way that that's got to be it. Go and climb up Scottish Hill. It's, it sort of came at the right time. Um, I first climbed my first mountain back in October, but not Ben Ann, by the way, fell coming down it. But uh, hopefully, that doesn't happen this time. No, it was all right. I fell into a uh, sort of a little watery, I don't know, I'm not going to call it a stream, but there was water um, and sort of fell. But all good, Did, didn't hurt myself. Uh, bruised ego more than anything. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, looking forward to it. So it should be a good head clearer. Aye, no, it should be good, mate. Um, final one we're going to give a grade to today in our ratings is Steve Clark. Uh, and I'm expecting you to give him a four because I'm giving him a five, which it would be very easy to be really reactionary and go, yep. oh, the manager got it all wrong, blah, 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 blah. I didn't disagree with any selections yesterday particularly. I understood the rationale behind every single one of them. I thought his first substitution was bang on. thought it was the right sub at the right time. A lot of people would have been clamouring for O'Donnell to get off, but still understood the decision to keep O'Donnell on at that point. But you said it earlier in the podcast, those second substitutes came way too late, and they were unimaginative. The rest of the substitutions in that game felt like paint-by-numbers subs. There wasn't any sort of sense of, you know what, let's try something a bit outside the box. The fact that we didn't see Turnbull come on when Scotland were crying out for, for something, you know, from a set piece or whatever, I thought was pretty galling. Um, I think, I, I just think there was a lack of imagination in the substitutes. And other than the initial sort of proactive move at halftime, I think, I think it was kind of reactionary. But the one thing I've said in this podcast uh, before, um, again, I think it was episode one, was Steve Clark so far as Scotland manager has made sort of decisions sometimes which have surprised me. And it doesn't feel it's felt under Scotland managers before where it's like, oh, he's just picking his favourites. You know, it does feel like there's a chance for players to play their way in and maybe out more tellingly. Uh, ahead of the England game, but this is going to be the biggest team selection that he's ever going to make. I mean, the Czech game was just because of the, the, the gravitas of the occasion, but given the context of this, a lot of people will be judging Steve Clark on what he does for this England game, and he's kind of hiding to nothing because it's going to be a hard one to get right, and even if he yeah. does, we we'll still end up losing anyway. But if he makes, if he makes some brave changes... Ahead of this England game, I will be I will be proud of him. And I'm but I'm giving him a five out of ten for yesterday because I think the manager was another one who who failed to turn up on the big day. Um oh sorry. No, when you go. 
Uh, hindsight for me is a wonderful thing. People are saying, I got the team selection wrong, this, that and that. Um, when the team came out, I said that's probably maybe the best or closest to the best team he could put out. No, no qualms about the team he put out, to be quite honest with you, because as I said, um, I had faith in every single one of them um, to do a job. Uh, so he's, he's going to get marked positively on that for me. Um, where he goes wrong and where it all goes south is his substitutions. They were unimaginative and they were far too late. The, the proactive one comes from Christie coming off for Shea Adams. He gets marked up on that. I think that's a great a great shout. However, he should have followed that up with substitutions such as Billy Gilmore coming on um, for John McGinn would have been my shout. And... Uh, I would have also um, I would have brought on um, Forrest for Stephen O'Donnell quicker. So um, th- those are those are the two where it, where it all went sort of wrong, and he, he didn't do it quick enough for me. So um, on that, he's getting marked down. Overall, um, I think it's only fair um, to give him a four point five out of ten. Um, and the only reason he's getting half a mark is obviously the proactive sub in Brian Christie um, and Shea Adams. Had that not happened, um, it would probably have been a, a four, close to a three. I can't believe you've gone into decibels with just one selection and it's the final one, mate. Good on you. Cracking stuff there. Excellent. The last thing I'm going to ask you, mate, because I know you need to get off, is so what would your changes be for the England game? Um, so Donald um, for Forrest. Um, so my team would be Craig Gordon and Goal, um, a back five um, of Forrest as a wing back. Um, if fit, this is purely a fit, would be Jack Hendry, Grant Hanley, Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson. The midfield three would be McGinn, McGregor and McTominay with uh, Shea Adams and Lyndon Dykes up front. That would be my team. Uh, I've, I would have a lot of faith in that team. Um, one thing I want to say to, to Scotland fans is, listen, Spain lost their first match in the 2010 World Cup. Okay, anything is possible. It's football. We have a decent team. We have a strong team. And there's no expectation on us to go down to London on Friday, to go to Wembley um, and slay the, the, lie, the three Lions. However... It's not outside the realms of possibility. And I've got faith in Scotland that we can go there and get a draw. And I've got faith that we can take the the ageing Croatia team next Tuesday. I still think Scotland will be able to qualify from this group. Maybe overly optimistic, but uh, I'm not giving up just yet. It's not quite checkmate. I don't actually even want to tell you my changes because I want to end on that positive note, mate. I'm happy with that. Uh, but I can't resist the temptation. I think your team, other than the Gordon for Marshall swap, is the team that he'll go for if Tierney's fit. Like, I think Forrest will come in. I think Henry will keep his place. And I think McGregor will come into the midfield. I think that is the, the team that I see him putting out. Personally, what I would do is I would fling Nathan Patterson in. I would keep Stuart Armstrong in. Uh, and I would bring Shea Adams in for Christie. So... Yeah. Uh, that would mean that mine goes Marshall, Patterson, he- uh, Hendry still, because I just don't think we have other options. Unless Liam Cooper was cut. Actually, let's go with Liam Cooper. So we'll go Marshall, Patterson, Hanley, Cooper, Tierney, Robertson, McGinn, uh, McTominay, and Armstrong, and then Adams. 
and Dykes. That would be that would be my team. Uh, but aye, we can still do it. I wish I shared your positivity, mate. I really do. But maybe I should be the one that should go and clear my head walking up a Scottish hill. Sadly, the only hills I'm going to see are the massive skyscrapers and the shard and stuff in London. I'm here for the rest of the week. Uh, but I'll still be doing the Tartan Daily every day. Thanks to everyone who has got involved and in the chat and um, online and, and voted in the thing. Just a quick update on that poll that I've got running for too long. At the moment, in terms of the David Marshall thing, mate, it seems that about 60% of people disagree with you and think he should still play. But people keep voting on that. Please uh, also get in touch with your hashtag Hoospunditry. Uh, just quickly, Stefan, like, I'm running this thing on, on Twitter where it's Hoospunditry, so if you're watching the game with people and they say things like Giorgio Chiellini looks like a painter with a hangover, like turning up to do a job in your house. Um, any any good hoose punditry flying about in the the opening games of the Euros for you that you can you can think of offhand? Uh, no, you've put me right on the spot here. <laughs> um, Make sure and tweet it with the hashtag if there is any, right? Um, no, and then we'll do it on the podcast. I'm I'm not quite old for in fact I've not got anything in the pipeline yet. But you know what? I'm going to go and think, and I'll let you know by Friday. Um, I'm sure I'll have one by then. That is fine. On that note, we are hoping to get um, Adam Miller, Old Firm Facts, on the podcast. So um, I'm working on that. And we do have a Scotland international who's provisionally, a uh, former Scotland international who's provisionally agreed to come on as well. So uh, exciting stuff in the run ahead. But thank you for everyone who's got involved with the Tartan Daily. I'll play my wee video as an outro, which has all the information on how you can follow us and get in touch. But thank you very much for doing so. And please do share this podcast if you have enjoyed it. I'm enjoying doing them. And you know the rules. No Scotland, no party. Thank you for watching today's Tartan Daily. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll be doing each of these every day during the Euros, as long as Scotland are in the tournament. Remember, you can find me, I'm Hodgie the Hack, that's H-O-D-G-E-Y the Hack, on all social media. So that's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you were watching the stream on YouTube today, then please remember to hit the bell for notifications of future streams. And if you're listening on the podcast, then you can subscribe on your major podcast players. And please give a rating or a comment seeing how much you enjoyed it. And remember, if you're enjoying these podcasts, then please share them with all your friends. Thank you very much for watching or listening. And remember, no Scotland, no party. <laughs>